Welcome back to the women's class, Baruch Hashem. We are restarting the Tuesday 11 a.m. class after many weeks of a lot of simcha, thank God. We are learning the Alter Rebbe Shulchan Aruch. We are learning the laws of davening. And it happens to be that there is an amazing um, halacha, or what could appear to be a contradiction in halacha regarding davening, which also will lead us into something similar connected to the Parsha, which is certainly very much connected to a current hot topic that I would like to give a, an opinion, not a conclusive opinion, because there's a lot of info that I'm still lacking, but many people are asking me regarding mic drop, and I would like to share my thoughts on that. So let us begin with the Shulchan The Alter Rebbe writes, Regarding shoe decoration. Certain tapestries or other items of art that many hang up on the walls of the shul for decor. Right, this is very common. Maybe amongst Ashkenazim, not that much tapestries, but people have beautiful uh, windows with designs in them and other pieces of art. The Alter Rebbe is writing this halacha in the context of the ideal of davening in front of a wall or a beam, even though we learned that in most shuls, it's impossible for everyone to daven in front of a wall. There's only that much wall. This is an ideal, this is certainly not essential, but it is ideally to daven in front of a wall. Um, this will minimize distractions no one is going to be walking by you. So in that context, says the Alter Rebbe, that if you have anything of art that's hung on a wall, even though it's not considered a halachic chatzitza, a halachic interposition, you don't have to daven in front of the wall, nothing, you don't even have to daven in front of a wall. Nevertheless, says the Rebbe, there is a, a concept of distractions, not related to chatzitza wall. And that is, is that if you're going to have something of beauty, right in front of you while you daven, it might distract your concentration. And therefore, the Alter Rebbe is not saying you can't have it in a shul. People have these things in a shul. If you happen to find yourself right in front of that, number one, close your eyes, and uh, that's for the person. And for the shul, the Alter Rebbe is asking for people to hang those decors above the eyesight. Above the eyesight means that if you're davening in front of it, Right, you're not going to look up. You're going to want to concentrate, but it's not in your face. And if it was hung up in front of the height of your eyes, then again, the Alter Rebbe is suggesting for you to close your eyes, even though generally we spoke out the Alter Rebbe writing, the Rebbe wrote many times to people, the virtue of looking inside, even for those who know the prayer by heart. But Kavana, in this case, where there is a distraction, will trump will trump and you should close your eyes. Okay, so I just want to bring up this, this back and forth. The Alter Rebbe doesn't say not to have beautiful decor in the shul. Uh, we're, not, we're not speaking about human form and by Mizrach. That's another whole issue that can, that can borderline some sort of people worship. We're speaking just about art in the shul. The Alter Rebbe is not saying you should not have it. He is saying don't have it eye height in order for people not to get distracted, 
And I'm going to come back to that in a moment. Now, there's something very similar about, on one hand, us valuing beauty. It doesn't say don't put up any decor in a show. But on the other hand, that sometimes that can be a distraction. And therefore, you have to find a healthy balance. And the other areas regarding garments, clothing. How should you dress to show? So first of all, one of the halachas of davening and one of the down-to-earth preparations for davening is being garbed, being covered. And this is going to lead us into a, a, a parsha topic, which was the first purpose for which Adam and Chava wore clothing was to cover. And uncovered one may not daven with many details on that. But then says the Al Rebbe the following, that the minig of the earlier Chachamim was that they wore garments according to the moment they were living in. Meaning when there was Shalim Ba'ilam, when there was peace in the world, they would purposefully dress up with beautiful garments and daven. Because part of getting ready for prayer even if this is not the primary prep, the primary prep is an inner preparation, it's also an external preparation. And getting dressed beautifully is a beautiful thing. You're showing that you're, you actually consider, you are mindful of the emis, which is that prayer is standing in front of God, and if we are going to appear in front of even a human great leader, all of us would prepare also in garb, so how much more so when we are standing in front of God? And we all understand the challenge with that mindset. The challenge is, is that when you go meet a human leader, you are only in front of him when you are in front of him or her, a human being. When you're not, when you're not meeting them, they're not there. right? With Hashem, Hashem is always everywhere. We are always in front of God. And being that you cannot live in that state of, I'm always in front of God, most of us won't be able to live that way. So we become habituated, I'm accustomed, I'm familiar with God. So that's the, the chiddush, that no, that even though we always believe that we are always in front of God, but part of prayer is to become more mindful of this reality and to behave accordingly. So yeah, there is a greater level of kedusha in a shul, even though God is everywhere, God is everywhere, God is more revealed in a shul. God is more revealed, or godliness is more revealed while we are davening and dress accordingly. Dress up. But why are you dressing up? You're dressing up. We're not only, we're not only, we're not only speaking about dressing up uh, modestly. We're speaking about dressing up beautifully. Put on beautiful garments. Because your beautiful garb is expressing your feeling of it's a time of peace. It's a time of beauty. Things are good. And therefore, I'm going to get dressed good. And these same sages when they felt that they're living through a time of anger, when the world is undergoing through sadis in our perception, then they would bedafka not dress up. They would dress down. They would, be, they would be covered, but they would put on garments that express that it's not a peaceful time. You know, the extreme is, uh, Mordechai, when coming into Purim, he, he put on a sack. He mourned, he mourned, he dressed accordingly. In other words, wearing garments are being done not to cover the body, but being garments are being put in order to express a certain inner feeling. Now, I'm, I'm asking my own question. 
And everything that I'm saying now is a concept, and I'm very open to any discussion on it. Nothing that I'm saying is taira, engraved in the stone, but I want to share a couple of thoughts because there, it is a topic that people are speaking about. And, and just first coming back to the, to the first halacha we learned about, what about a distraction? Right, we just learned that you're not allowed to put, or it's not good for a shul to, to put in front of the worshippers beautiful paintings. Why? Because you're going to get distracted on the painting. What about beautiful garments? What about beautiful garments? Is that a distraction? He's not speaking about that at all. Is it a distraction? That's my own question. Men wear black pants and white shirts, so what's their beautiful garment? We, we, in the times of Golos, one of the reasons why we wear black uh-huh. is because, if you want to connect it to this halach, is because we consider pre-Mashiach world a world of, of anger, mm-hmm. and we dress down, and in reverse, let's go into the most frumsta crowds, <coughs> many great, real Hasidish tzaddikim, on Shabbos, oh boy, do they dress colorfully. Talking about whatever you think about Charedd and black, they dress in gold, and they dressed, I didn't see pink yet, but uh, they, 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 they dress beautifully. And, and the holier the day, the more beautiful and colorful the garb, as we'll get back to the parsha. I just want to bring up this concept. And, 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 and obviously, and obviously, I'm speaking all theoretically, in concept. If someone is going to feel so peaceful inside of them and they're going to dress so beautifully that their garb will be a distraction to others, there is a limit to that, then don't go that far. But we are hoping that when, when, that we live in a mind space, that we live in a reality where when you see someone dressed up beautifully, that's not distracting you. Because what you are seeing is that that Jew is celebrating their inner peace. And, 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 and yeah, and if someone else's inner peace is a distraction to you, then that's a very sad state of affairs of you. <laughs> because when we look at something physical, what, what are you seeing? And people see different things. And we're not ignoring anyone, but we're hoping that people, instead of seeing the, 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 the lowest rung of the ladder, which might be problematic, they're going to see a, a higher rung in the ladder, which will be actually very beneficial, because when you are amongst people that are happy and inspired and grateful for the peace that they have in their lives, it actually will help you, hopefully, you'll inspire your fellow and you'll lift them up as well, and they'll be in a better mindset for prayer and for life. Now hold this thought. Now I want to go to the Parsha. What do we see in the Parsha? The Parsha we see that in the Beis HaMikdash, the Kahanim were instructed to wear very beautiful garments. True, the plain Kayim, the average Kayim, dressed plainly. There's a place for that. They dressed in white, not in black. Black is a color of mourning. They dressed in white. White really is a sum total of all the colors, which is a physical phenomenon. If you were to take a circle and, and, and divide it up into little slivers, the more the merrier, and put all of the shades of color from white until black and spin it quickly, common sense would be that you'll have some sort of in-between color. Means if you have lighter colors and darker colors and you mix them all together, you'll have a middle mediocre, you'll have pure white. That's a fact. And Hasidus speaks a lot about this fact, that white is not the absence of color. Black is that. White is the sum total of all colors. If you need to say one word that has in it all words and colors, if you have to express a color that has in it all colors, 
You're not going to pick a rainbow. A rainbow is all the colors. If you, have to, if you have to have one color that has in it all colors, that's white. White is simple, but white is also everything. The Kain Gadol didn't wear white. He wore part white. Part of it was extremely colorful. It was purple. It was red. Speaking about colors that are made to attract attention. And it was beautiful. Super beautiful. And that's the holiest Jew doing the, the Avaid in the holiest place. And, and as Hasidus speaks a lot about the function of garments, and why is it that sometimes we, we would view one overly dressing up as, ooh, the person is not modest. And sometimes we view dressing up as a great mitzvah, as we should dress up for Shabbos to a certain limit, etc., as the Kayan dressed up. And that's very simple, the concept. How do you apply it? Everyone should figure out how to apply it for themselves. But the concept is like this, that when Adam and Chava sinned, the first feeling that the Torah records, and you should know the Torah is very um, frugal in recording feelings. It's, it's, a, it's an anomaly. The Torah normally records facts. Think about how many feelings are recorded in the Torah. Very few. The feeling that is recorded after sin is the feeling of shame. And specifically to the fact that they were unclothed. And what did they do with that shame? The Torah says they took, Adam and Chava took alei um, te'eno. Let's touch that. They took some part, some leaf or some part of a fig tree. And they used that as a covering. And appreciate that that's a very primitive covering. That covering is only to cover it's like a sack. It's like you're taking a big leaf and you're wrapping yourself in it. It's not custom made for you. It doesn't accentuate you. It covers you. That's all that is. After God interacted with Adam and Chava, the end of the story is, is that God made for Adam and Chavna kostnos oir. Look inside Rashi. The first thing, I think it's the first Pedish of Rashi or the second Pedish of Rashi, that God made for them skin-tight garments. Okay? Skin-tight? So says Rashi. So yeah, Rashi. What material? He, he, he made it yeah. either, it was, Rashi says, he, Dafke says that, that they wrapped around the body the way a nail wraps around the skin. That means it was mamish custom made. And that Rashi is, is explaining, this is the simple pshat, that the difference between God, God's garment for man and for Chava versus their initial garment is that it goes without saying that if you grab, if you have a nice fig tree and you have these big leaves or you have to put together a bunch of leaves, it's not made for you. It's not tailor-made. It's one size fit all because the purpose is to cover. So what difference does it make? Take, you know, today you would have to take a sheet, take a blanket. They took their blanket. God made for them clothes custom made. There was a garment for Adam and there was a garment for Chava. And like Rashi says that they fit Adam and Chava. They fit their bodies the way a nail wrapped around the skin. I have a question. Yeah. I learned that their skin was like like our nails. So is that separate from this? What, 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 what you learned, 
which is connected to why we look at our nails by Motsoi Shabbos, is that before we sinned, we also had some sort of custom-made garment Mm -hmm. that wrapped around our bodies like a nail, and that was a certain type of aura that was then visible. Mm -hmm. Not that the aura disappeared, but our consciousness got lowered and we no longer can see it. So as long as one saw that aura, as we'll explain in a moment, there was no need for garments. <clears throat> moment, we lost that sight, so God replaced it with the divine garment. Well, also <coughs> protection, like a nail protects the skin. Could be. So let me say it like this. What Hasidus speaks about is that garment, lavush, which is connected to the word busha, shame, so the garment that Adam and Chava made was to cover their shame. The garment that God made to Adam and Chava was not to cover their shame. The garment that God made to Adam and Chava takes away the shame. And let me explain to you what that means. First of all, why were they ashamed? And these are the words that Hasidus speaks about a lot. That when God made Adam and Chava, at, before the first sin, the body in our mind was a tool in the, for the neshama. When Adam looked and Chava, Chava looked at Adam, they saw each other's neshama. Very much the way I would say, most people would look at their hand. What's, what's your hand? Your hand is a tool. Your, your hand is mamash, a tool. It's perfect. It's, part, it's near you. It's with you the whole time. I need to get the cup of water over there. You send your hand and you get it. The hand is at your service. The entire body is at the service of the neshama. That's the emes, and that's the way they viewed it. And there's no shame, and there's no need for garments. What changes after you eat from the tree of knowledge? That once they ate from that tree of knowledge, they became self-aware. The body wasn't only a instrument to the neshama, the body was a body that has its own bodily wants and needs, etc. And not all of the wants and the needs of the body are always aligned with the wants and the needs of the neshama. So think about, I'll give you a marshal today. If, if I'm engaged in doing something and a great person walks into the room and ah, what a pity. If they would only come in five minutes ago, they would see me learning and now they're seeing me like digging into the cake. What do we feel? We feel shame. We feel shame because I'm not living up to the higher reality that I'm hoping my mentor, my tzaddik has. It's mamish the same thing with the body and the soul. That if the body is not self-aware, if the body is just part of the neshama, it's only doing and only expressing and only doing the mission of the neshama, it never feels shame. The soul is not ashamed of the body, and the body is not ashamed of the soul. The moment the body is allowed to have a self-identity, and that's the beginning of the inner dichotomy, so it's shayich that the soul wants to do one thing, and the body wants to do something else. And we are aware of both. That's the whole inner struggle. But when that happens, that's the source of shame. I'm ashamed of my body. Or the body feels shame if it still senses the soul, like, oh, the soul is seeing, is seeing me, you know, like this. And what's the solution to that? So what's the solution to that? 
So there's two things. First of all, when a person feels ashamed, what do they do? They cover, they cover their face. If you saw a kid, they feel ashamed. It's so funny because does it resolve anything? Nothing. You know, if someone caught me doing something that I should be ashamed about, covering my face won't help anyone. But, but you, you, you cover yourself. So the first thing they did is they covered themselves. They covered their bodies. No, it's the, there's something about the body. If the body is not fully expressing the neshama, that could lead for the soul to be ashamed of the body. Like, ah, oh, if you look at your kid and oh, you feel ashamed they're doing something that you think doesn't reflect you. Your hope should not be reflective or, you, or since it's reflecting me, everyone now sees my shame. Look at my kid doing something that obviously he got it from me. So it's me, that's in public. So you, you are ashamed and vice versa. The, 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 the student is ashamed. Oh, the Rebbe saw me do that. Oh, gewalt. So there's a dual shame here. So what do you do? You cover it. But that's not the solution. That's just your reaction. God tells Adam and Chava, the solution is not to cover your body. That's not the goal, the end goal. The end goal is, is that we have to, even while we are aware of the body, when we make sure that our bodies are expressing neshama, then there's nothing to be ashamed about. If my body is doing what God wants for it to do, not only is that not a source of shame, but Adarabha, when, when you dress the body up in a way that it helps the body become connected to the neshama, that dressing up is not to cover. That dressing up is to reveal through the body a soul trait. So in prayer, if a person feels grateful to God that now is a time of peace, things are good for me, and, and I'm celebrating, or today is a holy, today is Shabbos, and I want to celebrate that at Shabbos. So I'm celebrating Shabbos by putting on a beautiful garment. Putting on that beautiful garment, you're not covering your shame. You're, 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 you're giving expression to the soul. And not only are you giving expression to the soul, you're using your body to give expression to the soul. Right? When you're shuckling during the avenue, what are you doing? Your neshama is shuckling away. And when the body is shuckling with the soul, oh, so you see the soul movement through the body. And that's the ultimate rectification for the son of Adam and Chava. We're never going back. That's the whole thing of Hasidus. No, it's the goal of falling or failing is not to go back to where we were. Because then, what a pity. You started out in one place, you fell, and you just came back to the same place. So you didn't benefit anything. Like, sad if that would be the story. It's not the story. When we fail, we end up benefiting. Once before the sin, the body was, Bechlal did not exist. In your mind, when you looked at a body, what did you see? You saw their light. Didn't even notice them. Now that there is also a awareness of the Gashmias, and the Gashmias might might go on a different path than the Neshama, which is why they're ashamed. So the goal is, okay, you, you, you are still self-aware, but choose to align your body with your soul. And when the Kain Gadol was using all of him, including his body, to serve God, he was, showing, he, was, he was demonstrating that by wearing the most beautiful garment. And indeed, when you look at reality that way, then the more you beautify a mitzvah, the more you beautify a shul, when you beautify a shul, it's not a distraction, hopefully, hopefully. When you beautify a shul, what are you saying? That this is a beautiful place because it's a holy place. And I want for the holiness to find expression even begashmias. So I'm not going to make a dilapidated old shul because my mindset will be, let me ignore the gashmi since it's a holy place. 
you know, will be the nicer shul, the most rundown, the most not fancy building. That, that used to be the mindset of many Jews before Hasidus. They're not wrong, but our path is even greater. You want to express that this is a holy place, make it the most beautiful building in town. But the beauty is not showing off physical beauty. You are celebrating a spiritual beauty and you're using everything, begashmias, to mirror, to be a tool to the spiritual truth. You are realigning the physical to the spiritual. Get that? Are we good? Make sense? In theory. In theory. I'm speaking all in theory. So I'm thinking, like, you know, there's something about, like, monks wearing the robes all the time, right? Excuse me? The monks wearing the robe. Imams? Monks. Monks, monks, monks yeah. Okay. That's simple. 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 So, like, how would the world look like if, like, you know, like women, we all had, like, black dresses, you know, like, long to the floor. Like, in theory, there would be more room for the neshama to, like, express. I know what you're saying, but it's, like, in the jump from, like, for it to happen, it's, like... Step number one, step number... Let's, let's go back. We're all speaking theory. We can't go from the way we are right now, after the sin, to right away dressing in beautiful garments. First, we have to have clarity that Ruchnias is more important than Gashmias. And the first step was wearing very simple clothing. Was the first thing was, you want to get close to Ruchnias, you got to move away from Gashmias. That was the first step. But that's not the end step. The end step is now that hopefully I have it clear in me that my neshama is more important than my body. And I value, I give value to ruchnias more than I give value to gashmias. Once that is properly established, the end game will be now let me use gashmias to express ruchnias. To express ruchnias. So God wanted for the temple to be beautiful. God didn't want for the temple to be the simplest home because we're celebrating spirituality, so ignore the physicality. God wanted even more than that. Hashem wanted for the building to be beautiful. You want to decorate a shul? Decorate now. There's a, there's a chance that you might get distracted. In other words, if a person were to look at a painting or a picture or anything of beauty, they would say, wow, this is God. This is godliness. Even, in the, God, even the physical world is beautiful. That would not be a distraction. But not everyone is on that madrega. So close your eyes. But on the other hand, we allow for a shul to be beautified with beautiful designs. Why? Because, because yes, the shul is celebrating God, but we're celebrating God to the point that God is so great that God expresses himself in the world. When God is in this world, that's beautiful. When any beauty of the world is because godliness is revealed. Ugliness is because there is a hiddenness to godliness. The more God is revealed, the more beauty there has to be. And that is true with garments. Now, I want to link this to many people asking, so I want to give an opinion. And again, my opinion is not a conclusive, and I don't think people need to have a conclusive opinion, and I don't think people are able to because they don't have all of the facts speaking about concepts. So I want to speak about the, the general concept of tzniyus for men and women equally, and, and the opposite and the opposite of that there is a time and a place where the virtue is not to cover but the virtue the virtue is to, is to is to speak is to talk is to be heard so kaidum call 
Let's speak about let's speak about the concept not of garments in modesty, but in 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 covering over one's own virtues. Is it a good thing for a person to get up and to publicize their spiritual virtue? So there's two sides to this. That means if you accomplish something very amazing, is there is it good for you to share it with the world? Or is it not modest for you to share it with the world? So one second, so I guess so there's a balance. So the, the balance is like this: that if a person, it's like garments, are you supposed to cover yourself or are you supposed to come out beautiful? There's a time and place for everything. Mm-hmm. If my goal of sharing some inner strength to the world is because I'm trying to boast, it's about me showing off me, then you can argue it's not the most modest thing in the world. For men and women equal. Right? If a person has a certain virtue and their sharing it inspires other people, then even though it's not the modest thing in the world for you to be speaking, but in the bigger picture, you got to speak about it because, because you're going to benefit other people. Ah, you might become arrogant with yourself. So there's, we have a precedent. There was a story of one of the great Hasidim of the third Chabad Rebbe, the Tzamach Tzedek, who was a very good orator. And his job was to hear Torah from the Rebbe and to go throughout many areas in Russia amongst Hasidim who did not have the opportunity and the ability to go to the Rebbe and to share the Rebbe's teaching with him. And he was very good at it. And whenever he came to a city, everyone gathered to hear him. And he got a lot of covet. And he began to think to himself, this is not modest. I'm feeling arrogant. I'm getting too much attention. So he told the Rebbe that Samach Tzedek, he's stopping. Because he's getting a spiritual bad smell. Because he's, he's arrogant. So the Rebbe told him, you can even stink. But why should other people lose just because you stink? The Rebbe told him that in much nicer words. The Rebbe told him, at Sibyla, you you're becoming an onion. But that's your problem. But, but, but Hasidim have to hear Hasidim. And I think as we're getting closer to Mashiach, and let's go with our Rebbe, no one will debate, theoretically. How to apply this? We have to be careful. That if you have to pick and choose, am I going to celebrate? I'm not going to tell anyone what I'm doing. I'm not going to share a certain story of mine that I know will inspire you because I don't want to attract attention to me. And attracting attention to me by a man or a woman is not modest. So you have the virtue. And on the other hand... I'm going to inspire you. I have to, go and, I have to go and inspire you. Why am I saying all this? I'm saying all this for the following. Is that, is that there's a new thing now called mic drop. And I'm sure it's going to come here to LA. It was in Miami. It was in Kronite or New York. It's going to come over here. And what is it? So, I guess, so there, there's an organization that's focused, at least to my knowledge now, not only, but also on gathering people, getting people who underwent a, a challenge, a real personal challenge in their lives, which they overcame, and to share that with the world. It's run by a firm person. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. So it's only, it's like a Jewish. It's, uh, it's a Jewish, it's, okay. So like this. There, there was. I'm so excited. 
Okay, I want, I want to speak about my, my thoughts on this. I want, I want to begin and end by saying regarding this, as I also have an opinion regarding many other of these topics that are coming up, that I think that this is mamush connected to Mashiach. I think it's a very, very good thing, both on a therapeutical level and on an inspirational level. Now, countering that, so I want to begin and end with this. Countering that is, is that there were some people, I'm speaking about Rabbanu, you shouldn't like this, that a classical, if you're going into the real, original role of a rabbi, of a rav, is that if you ask him a halachic question, he gives an answer. Rabbanim were asked regarding the last mic drop in New York. I don't think they answered, unlike they answered any other question that comes to them. They can say it's okay, they can say it's not okay, they can say it's okay under certain conditions. They gave their opinion. Their opinion, and obviously, there's no doubt that I will, that I honor, and all through me honor the Psagdin of the Rabbanim. They said that that meeting, the way it was set up, was not, was not according to Jewish spirit. Whether it, what they wrote was is because the, it's mixed seating, the crowd is mixed seating. Um, if I understand in between the lines, is because they maybe feel that when women speak, it should be for women, as when men speak, it should be for men. So it's not the, the fact that they actually the way they say what they say. It's about I don't th- I don't think so. Okay, I'm not I'm not certain. Mm-hmm. I, I okay from what I from from what was described to the rabbanim. And to what the Rabbanim responded, the Rabbanim did not make a campaign against it. They were very bad-mouthed over here. The, these rabbis probably write such letters every day. When you get a question, you have to give an answer. Right? These are the, in the Lubavitcher world, these are the top Rabbanim. So they came out against it. In the, when Mashiach will come, and let me tell you what, what's the ideal way of dealing with it. People who see the great value of what they're doing would open up a dialogue with the Rabbanim as I'm sure they're doing, and they would figure out what are the problems. Let's see if there's a way to honor both, to add a certain level of modesty. Okay, you wanna have separate, do separate, or separate seating. Um, you wanna, whatever, whatever, whatever the, the issues are, and, 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 and you'll get the healthy balance of modesty, and also of, what, what are these people? These people have certain spiritual beauties. When you have a challenge and you overcome it, this is not celebrating a gashmizdika thing. You're not getting up there, a woman is not getting up there and bo- being boastful of anything other than ruchnis. Ruchnis meaning over a certain emotional fortitude, a certain mental fortitude, or a certain neshama fortitude. And these are things, in theory, that Judaism says we should exhibit. The Kohen Gadol didn't cover his soul. We, we hide, if the body is only a body, that's something that we should hide. That's something, modesty. If you're, if you're speaking about ruchni yizdika things, that's not something, in theory, that we're meant to hide. That's something that we're meant to, to share in order to inspire. The, the sadness of the back and forth is, I'm, I'm, I'm speaking just my opinion, I feel that the Rabbanim were set up and, 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 and there might be a lot of anger and I'm not saying on the other side, I respect all sides. They might have justifiable anger, but they were, they were mamish set up. It was made as if they made a campaign against it, which they did not. Okay. Uh, one, I kind of like, they say that a lot of them, one of the things that they get up and they be so vulnerable and about their past. Yes. And which is 
Oh, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to address this in a moment. Come on a second. I'm, just a concept. That, that, that the Rabbanim are, are, are advocating modesty. And everything before Mashiach is a balance, right? Even today, no one can say, since I feel very holy and ruchnizdik, and I feel very enlightened, so I'm going to go wear clothing to express my enlightenment. There is a place where we're not by Mashiach yet, and hey, there has to be a certain amount of modesty. So there's a balance of things. So here is a typical case where people want to celebrate and accentuate a spiritual virtue versus modesty. That's the clash here. And I'm sure there's a way to reconcile both. I have no doubt about it. It's sad that there's a lot of anger against the Rabbanim. Again, I feel that they were set up. And, and then... And it was mixed. They did it. They did it. They did it. Like I listened to two of them. There wasn't guy, but it was more... No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. Hello. I'm, t- I'm, I'm saying is that no one is getting up there and, and not about Giver. They're not exhibiting anything of physical. Right. In my understanding, theoretically, modesty means hide the Gashmias. Right. But the soul should shine because the soul inspires on top of the fact that it might have therapeutical value, which is healing. So there's a healing aspect, and then there is inspirational aspects, which are two virtues that we should support. Now, when that clashes with Tznius, I think this is the theory, that if you can be modest and the physical, and you can and show off the Ruchnius, I think that will be the healthy balance. Now, specifically, there are two issues that I'm aware of. And that goes also to the call of the Shaifer and, and, and other areas as well, and even JCW, which again, in the bigger picture, amazing. It's part of Mashiach. But just, you see, the world until Mashiach is not good or bad. If you have to give a verdict, is it more good than bad? It's a lot more good than bad. But that doesn't justify doing bad if it could be avoided. So I want to I wanna, I wanna focus now on, on, on this mitra. Two points, like you mentioned, Rivka, that I, from, from the limited knowledge that I have. Number one, most people's challenges come from home. Not everyone's, most of people's challenges come from the home. If a person who goes to therapy has to tell the therapist or even a safe, private group of something that happened to them by someone in the family, that puts that family member in a very, very bad light for them to get it out of their system, there's no doubt that that's permissible. However, however, being that now, we're, yeah, if a person is going to therapy, let's, uh, let me give you an, uh, an extreme case. No, 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 no. I'm saying private is private and this public. I'm speaking about private and public is this Nakoda. Do, do we advocate modesty, which is privacy, do we advocate inspiring the world, which is not private? We advocate for both. We have to figure out where, how to balance it. And I think the concept is privacy on the Gashmias. And Bechal, when it comes to Ruchni's things, which is what they're doing. Because when a person has a challenge and they overcome their challenge because of an emotional strength, because of a mental strength, or an Ashama strength, all of that is Ruchni's, and all of that should be celebrated. And all of that is very inspirational. And sometimes it's very therapeutical. So let me just tell you the, 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 the danger. If there's a person who grew up in such a, the house was so impoverished that it almost sounds like the parents can go to jail. 
such a case. And, and, and theoretically, if such a thing were to happen, this has to be addressed, I don't think in public. Because as, as important as it is for the, for the victim to have therapy, granted, if the therapy can happen without throwing the parents under the bus, what's, just because I'm doing it, Manus Friedman has a beautiful muscle that he uses regarding many of these hot topics, which is if you have a cop and a robber, very simple language, the cop is the good guy. Yes, the robber is the bad guy, absolutely. So let's say you're the cop and you're chasing the robber and the robber is behind my house. If you are able to catch the robber without breaking down my home, you don't have the right to break down my home even though you're doing a good thing. You're going after the, the ganev, you're going after a murderer. You're, you're doing the biggest mitzvah. If you are able to catch the murderer without collateral damage that could be avoided, then even though in the bigger picture, good for you, but why not? Let's have a dialogue. Why not figure out how to do these things better where collateral damage can be avoided? In other words, the parents can be collateral damage. Or in any other case, if, 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 if it doesn't have to be the parents or a sibling, it can be even a stranger. But if, if the therapy could happen without hurting them just as good, then even if that's secondary, okay, but that has to be taken into account. Another thing, just to know, regarding therapy, they're a therapeutical, I'm not a therapist, but I'm quoting from people who I think are great therapists, not everyone benefits therapeutically by sharing things to the whole world. People are different, just like when it comes to diet. You can't say, we, we, we already know enough, it's not, uh, this is healthy, that's not healthy. I'm sure there are certain things that are not healthy for anyone. And maybe certain foods maybe are healthy for everyone. But in most cases, what might be good for you is not good for me. And as that is true when it comes to medication and, and nutrition, same thing as nutrition for the soul. What might be healthy for one person, and some people might talk a need, the greater the platform, the greater the therapy. And if that's the case, then good. But it doesn't necessarily mean it's good for everyone. Certain people who share certain things in public, even if they feel a high when they do that, it might do for them psychological damage later to be determined by a therapist. I'm not saying that they don't have great therapists with them. I'm just speaking about the potential challenges. So there's a therapeutical um, balancing act that has to be further. Maybe I'm not saying that they didn't look into it, but that's something that we should be aware of. And, and as far as inspiring, I don't see anything wrong theoretically with, with people inspiring the world. I think, that's, I think that's part of Mashiach, when people have a story to tell. If you're going to tell a person, be modest and don't share your story, then no, no, we, no it's not true. It, 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 don't, don't boast L'shem Mitzvah's boasting. But if when I hear that you were in that terrible situation and you managed to get out and I'm going to be inspired, then, again, theoretically, you got, you got to inspire the world. You got to inspire the world. You can challenge, how can I'm teaching on, on, on a mic? Who gives you the right? This is going to be played again. You're boastful. No, it's not about boast. It's about sharing. If you have something important that other people benefit, you got to do that. And especially you're sharing something of ruchni as dikkah nature. Something of spiritual nature has to be celebrated. Now, in the Mashiach world, there wouldn't be this. Would, the, all of these new things are coming up in a way, and that's sad. Not that I could have done it better, but theoretically I could have done it better, I'm just not doing it, in a way where there's more harmony and working together. So people who are standing up for the virtue of tznius 
if there's a healthier dialogue, I'm sure that there can be a, 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 a understanding and a consensus and an agreement instead of it being presented that one side is onto something amazing and, uh, and their primitives are archaic, are fighting it, and it just makes the observers say, I got to pick a side. I don't think any sides have to be picked over here. I hope that all the sides will work together. And this is true with all of these new things that are coming up. You see that it's touching people. We're living in a world that people are very much into sharing their voice. This is for sure a part of coming of Mashiach. You have to, like everything else, it has to be channeled. Channeled in the right way. Coming back to garments, bottom line is, is that this is correct, that on Shabbos we dress beautifully. And no one can tell you that's not modest. It's always more modest to wear a sackcloth. Like you're, it's always more modest to wear your, 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 your black and Muslim garment. But we don't advocate that. Not because we don't advocate modesty. Because when you're dressing up, because you're expressing Kedusha Shabbos, that trumps in the halachic limits. When you're beautifying a shul, I, it's distracted. You know what's distracting? The physical is distracting. The, 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 the feeling, the beauty, the ruch music beauty is connecting. It's not distracting. And when you have to pick and choose, if we can make sure that you are accentuating the ruchnias, that is something that should not only not be covered, the way Adam and Chava covered their bodies with a, with a sackcloth, with a piece of leaf, but God made for them clothing that fit them. In other words, it showed their milas. That means that whatever Adam's unique character traits were, were not only not covered by his garments, but he wore something that accentuated that. So you saw his greatness. And, and whatever Chava's is unique, skin tight, her milest, not as a human being, as Chava was accentuated. Not only was it not covered, it was shown. Because she was not showing something physical, she was showing something spiritual. It's like a Yid that got beaten because he's a Yid. I think that scar should not be covered. Because you're not showing the physical. When you look at that, it depends what, which world you live in. Hopefully where we are advanced enough that when you see a Jew with a tattoo from the Holocaust, what are you seeing? You're not seeing an honor. Ooh, the arm is uncovered. It's so sad if that is what you're seeing. You're seeing this is a Jew that went through the Holocaust and that survived. And, and, and just that in itself is the most awesome thing. It's the most beautiful thing. That's not something that should be covered. And, and, and that goes to any other of these people who have certain scars that they're not celebrating the scar. They're celebrating their, their, their overcoming. I think it's Gavaldic. It's Mamash Gavaldic. I think it's the coming of Mashiach this. And, and coming of Mashiach fully, when this is going to be done, I have to, you have to address sh shaming others. There is that to be taken into account? It can't be ignored. It's not either or. Same thing with the JCW. In other words, if the only way is to shame others, then of course safety comes first. But in the cases where it could be done, that both you have the protection and you have the safety, and people... Um, who might have done something in the past that they talk a regret? If that, I'm not saying they don't do. I'm not saying anything about them that they don't do that. I'm just saying that that the fear that people have, everything can be addressed together. I don't think we ever have to pick one over the other. We have to just work with each other. So when you have people that respect each other, and you have any group that has a certain concern, if you hear their concern, and like like all of us, I'm, I'm sure some of our concerns are nonsensical, but some of our concerns are, are real concerns. 
if we listen to each other, then let's do the best we could to take everyone's concern into account and to, and to do, have a product that, that covers it all. And I'm sure there's a way to cover it all because it's Gavaldic. And Hashem should bless us in our lives to get, to, get, to get this correct. Not to cover things that should be shown to the world. That's, that's the, the Rebbe was very much into that. Remember when the Rebbe began to celebrate birthdays, the, the Haredi mindset was very, uh, was very uncomfortable. You're celebrating yourself? Mom, you're celebrating you? What are you celebrating? You're celebrating you. The Rebbe was already in the, that's why the Rebbe saw Mashiach. This is part of the coming of Mashiach. Yes. If you're celebrating your, 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 your finger, then it's not a good thing. You're not celebrating your Gashmi. You're celebrating your, your Neshama. Absolutely. You were born. That means that you have a mission. You're celebrating your mission in this world. Yes. That's not an unhealthy, uh, selfish celebration. That's a Ruchni Yisdika thing. And that's, that's the area, that's the area that people are not clear yet. Is it modest? Is it not modest? Well, from what I saw, it was the most beautiful thing in the world. And hopefully, you'll have Rabbanim that they will respect, and they claim they do, that will be listened to, and they can accomplish everything that needs to be accomplished within, within the... the, the with our Kisholam, with our Kanim. No, no, the, the fighting itself is very sad. It doesn't have to be done with the fight. As a concept, can, is it, can a woman speak in front of a... Uh...